This is the Summer Breeze session, June 2016. What we are all doing here is vitally important. In this fractious, dysfunctional world where problems abound everywhere, where people and institutions that we're afraid of are growing and people and groups that we trust are failing us. It is vitally important to do exactly what we're doing here. The antithesis, of course, is that we give vent, or we give, we cultivate, or we give support to rage, anger, fear, despair, hopelessness, greed, indifference, disgust, the restless distress, and the blind lashing out. These are the very feelings, the very experiences that are causing the degeneration of our culture and our society. We see the evidence of this all over the world. Terrorists, proliferation of gun violence, economic collapse, economic disparity, wars, racism, etc. One root or another, these emotions that I just listed water the roots of all of this dysfunctional life. All these destructive emotions. So what we are doing here is vital. It's very important. Not only are we blessed to be able to meet these destructive forces in a creative and effective way, not only are we able to see the roots of these destructive emotions are not found someplace else. But we also have the means, the tools, the view, that anchored in the bright, spacious mind of the Dharma. There is a way of holding this fractious difficult world. The ordinary way of dealing with these emotions, of course, is we turn and we attack them. We reify them. We say, ah, yes, that's real. I'm going to hate And of course, in the ordinary world, what we are trained to do and what people are doing all the time is they're turning and attacking what they don't like, what they fear. And of course, for all of us who are practitioners, we have that old habit of, I don't like it, I'm going to attack it. Get rid of it. Do it in. And of course, that can be turned to our own mind, our own being. Anchoring in the Dharma is different. Anchoring ourself, our awareness in the Dharma is different. Anchoring ourselves in awareness 
of this moment, the spaciousness of this moment, offers the possibility for each person of support, stability, clear mind, and loving heart. The best of all the great religious traditions offer this. Not by attacking something, but by changing our view. So, let's work with that. If everyone would pay attention to, for the time being, let's try your lips. We can all easily be aware of lips. We all know the taste of lips. And we're feeling our lips very directly, the dry, cracked, moisture, feeling good, we're feeling <clears throat> pliable, whatever. It can become very important. It becomes very alive. Now, feeling your lips, expand your awareness so you're feeling your whole head. Expand your awareness so the lips are still there, but now your awareness is not all compressed down into this inch and a half, two-inch space. But now your awareness is now feeling the entire head. Feel your ears. Feel your occiput, the back of the head. Feel the temples. Feel the cheeks. Feel the eyes. Become aware of the nose. Feel the whole head all at once. When we expand our awareness in this way, lips carry a different valence. And now, feel your hands, feel your knees, feel your back, feel your belly, feel your chest, feel your head. Expand your awareness so you're feeling the whole body. You still have lips. They're still there. They're still important. But now your frame of reference has expanded. And so the weight that we give lips when we are only focused on them is different than the weight that we give them when our attention is expanded and we're feeling the whole body right now. Lips may be important, but knees are important. Back is important. Your buttocks are important. Your chest is important. Your cheeks are important. Everything is important. And so, as your mind expands, you become aware of this room. You become aware of the color of the walls of the room or the floor. You see the, all the people in the room. You hear the rustling of the wind outside. When our mind expands, lips are still there, just as much as they ever were. But we have a very different relationship to them. So, doing the same thing, take some part of yourself, <clears throat> some personality trait, some nagging failure, 
some inadequacy in Sashin, bring it up to yourself vividly, whatever it happens to be. I'm too intellectual, I'm a fat slob, I'm completely inadequate, I'm hopeless, I'm a loser, you know, whatever, I don't care. It's yours. <laughs> you know, your stuff is your stuff. Bring it up vividly. Hold it in your awareness. Fine. No problem. Now, expand your awareness so that you're aware of this particular limitation and you're aware of your knees and your back. Feel the ground underneath you. Whatever dysfunction is there, it's fine. Let it be there. No big deal. But now, become aware of this whole room. And that dysfunction is some little thing somewhere in the awareness of your whole of the whole room. The sound and the wind, the trees doesn't care what you feel, doesn't care what your particular little thing is. Most of the people in the room here, everybody's obsessed with themselves. They're not concerned about you. you know? All your stuff is just your stuff. So when you hold your mind like this, and you realize, oh, all that stuff that has been such a burden to me, if I hold my mind and my awareness in this kind of way, it's the way it is. The world doesn't care. The larger our awareness becomes, the less crumpled, the less tight, the less worried we are. Imagine some incident that you have feel great shame about. And then you expand and think, okay, in the course of one day, how long did that take? In the course of a week, how long did that take? In the course of a month, a year, a decade, a lifetime. When we hold our attention on the span of our whole life, every single little failure irrelevant. Irrelevant. <clears throat> and now we do the same thing with me. Here me is. Me is sitting right here. Me with all of my stuff. Me with my mind. Me with my problems. Me with my despair. Me with my body. Me with my aches. Me with my pain. Me with my, me with my whatever. My joys and my sorrows. Me with my competency and my idiocy. Yes, right here. Good. <laughs> and then we allow that me to be there. It's okay. <clears throat> Broken as you want to be. But hold that in awareness of the whole room. Hold that in awareness of all the people. Expand your awareness. Expand your awareness. What does that mean, expand your awareness? It means pay attention to the walls. Hear the sound of the leaves. See the floor. Notice the light. That's expanding awareness. Hear the distant track, tra truck, car. Birds. You expand your awareness. The more we expand our awareness, these things that we are so caught by, 
aren't so important. We don't have to fight them. We don't have to overcome them. Well, there's some work to be done sometime. But that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is the distant birds. primary focus is the subtle susurration of energy throughout the room. The primal focus is the feeling of solidity that expands and expands with no boundary. When we look at our little self here with all of its stuff, and we can you know, consider that little self sitting here in the room, Okay, you know, I'm the most important person in the room. That's all right. <clears throat> all these other people are just sort of secondary to me. Okay, it's the way it is. But in Klatskanai, there are 2,000 people, approximately. How important is that little self if you put all those 2,000 people together? Who would pick you out and say, ooh, that, that one right there, ooh, bad, bad news. <laughs> All those 2,000 people, oh, that one is the bad apple. <laughs> Nobody. And imagine if you were in Portland, half a million people, a million and a half people, I forgot what it was, West Coast. The United States has approximately 300 to 350 million people. Now, if you had a penny, let's say you are the size of a penny, and you took 300 million pennies, it would be a stack five feet high of pennies, a stack of pennies five feet high, four feet wide, okay, so four feet, five feet high, four feet wide, and 300 feet long. And in that stack of five feet high, four feet wide, and 300 feet long, that's as long as the whole monastery practically, you, your weight is one little tiny penny. Nobody in the entire universe is going to notice that penny. <laughs> and is not going to care, you know, whether you cut your hair wrong or not. <clears throat> and if there's 700, 7 billion people in the world, I always look it up because I can't, you know, a figure like 7 billion is so easy to say. But, but actually, if you look at pennies again, it is the equivalent of 50 school buses filled with pennies. 50 school buses, big school buses. Not just the filled with, but the whole area of the school bus with pennies. 11 feet high, 90 feet wide, and 190 feet long just the people in this country. So why do we think we're so important? Hmm? Why do we think our little problems are the center of the universe? Especially when we look out and we realize every single person has got foot problems, and knee problems, and fingernail problems, and nose problems, and teeth problems, and you know, every single person. 
There are 14 billion feet in this country. You know? Why do ours weigh so much? You know? So it is in the face of the dysfunction of our culture. It's in the face of our own complete insignificance. That's where the Dharma shines. Not as a hope or as a promise, but as an expression of a reality that is large and bright and inclusive and whole and stable. And that's what we're doing here. And that's what we need, and that is a great offering to the world. And that is the vital practice of knowing that truth in this crazy world with our own insignificance. That's something that we can give life to through our own awareness, through our own practice. We've been doing the Fukan Zazengi, Dogen Zenji's universally recommended instructions for Zazen. And that's basically saying the same thing that we've been doing all after all Sushin. The way is originally perfect and all-pervading. So, right here, right now, can you see the walls? Yes, if you open your eyes. Right here, right now, can you feel your feet? Yes, if you turn your mind that direction. Right here, right now, can you hear the noise in the room? Yes. Right here, right now, are you alive? Yes. Do you know you're aware? Open your awareness to exactly what your experience is. And notice that every single place, every single direction you go, whether it's inside or outside or in between, it is filled with experience. You're not aware of any holes, except a few cognitive ones, perhaps. The way is originally perfect and all-pervading. This is our life. It's not saying, you know, I've got green fingernails and blue fingernails. It's saying just exactly the way things are. Exactly with the awareness that is present in all places and all times. All pervading. Everywhere you look, everywhere you are aware of, is your awareness. You can't step outside of your own awareness. It's all pervading. Originally, awareness is awareness texture, the content of it may change, but awareness is completely aware. And from the day that we were born, we've had awareness to right now. All pervading. It's not talking about some abstract thing. It's not talking about something you read in the canon, the Pali canon or the sutras. It's talking about our life, our own life. So every day we are chanting this truth. My life is originally perfect. My awareness is all-pervading. How could that be contingent on practice and realization? How could it be, okay, I'm now going to be more aware. Okay, I'm going to make myself more aware. I'm going to see this floor better than I've seen it before. I'm going to see this floor with greater whatever. Become more aware, more aware, more aware, more aware. 
Content changes. We look close at things. They look different. They look far away. Awareness itself is always there. There's not a better awareness or a worse awareness. The content changes. <clears throat> we put our glasses on or take our glasses off. We see different things. But the awareness fills our entire life, our entire sensory field, our cognitive field, is all simply the playground of awareness. How can it be contingent on practice to realization? Now, I know it seems kind of stupid, but sometimes people have an experience of, oh, I'm aware. Well, what do you think about that? Sometimes people have a breakthrough and into the way things actually are. Oh, my life is not limited. Oh, there's an inclusive awareness. It's the way things are. But sometimes things hit us. We hear things over and over and over again. Sometimes they, they click. The Dharma is not about, I'm going to get something new and different and fresh. I'll get a new and better idea than the one I have right now. I'll get a new and better body than the one I've got right now. I'll get a new and better mind than the one I've got right now, and I'd love to scrap the one I've got right now and replace it with, you know, whatever. Superwoman. The Dharma is about I want to wake up to what I've always had. I want to wake up to this absolute, incredible experience. Who would have thought you'd be able to hear birds? There's no reason you should be able to hear birds. They just happen to be there to be heard. True vehicle is self-sufficient. What is there a need for special effort? It's our life. Now, of course, you know, if we look at it from a different level, there's some work that we've got to do. You know, if you want to learn to read, you've got to really practice reading. If you practice reading, you'll learn to read. If you want to become a skillful person in relationship, you've got to practice the skillful things of relationship. Yes, of course. But fundamentally, the foundation we should have great confidence. Great confidence and great faith. And there's some work to be done. Sure. And we're going to fail. Yeah, sure. So what? Who could believe in a means to brush it clean, to brush awareness even more clean? Awareness cannot be sullied. There's awareness, and there's awareness. And there's awareness of awareness. It's never apart from this very place. Wherever you go, there it is, as they say. And so we don't have to go to India or Japan or the East Coast. We don't even have to stay here. It doesn't matter. All we are doing here in Sashin is we have these conditions to practice the beautiful, wonderful art of being aware of what's already present, to be aware of awareness, to hold this unique life that we have, 
in this field. And yet there's a hair's breadth deviation, Dogen says. The gap between heaven and earth. What is the hair's breadth deviation that all of us are so good at? I don't like my foot. I wish I had a better ear. My nose is not the right nose. And the more that mind of liking and disliking comes, the more we begin to try to fracture, at least in our own view, the fracture what can be fractured. We, we begin to fracture our life. Oh, yes, I like the left half of me pretty good. The right half of me is not so good. You know, the top half of me is okay. I'll be happy with that. The bottom half of me I would like to replace. It's crazy. The hair's breadth deviation is the wholeness of awareness from the fractured incompleteness turning into a shriveled little lump. Nothing fundamentally has changed, but as soon as our mind is no longer holding awareness and we go back to our old habits of vilification and our old habits of inadequacy and our old habits of you know, all the things that we all know so well, rationalization and cutting things up, the world hasn't changed. But our view has suddenly shrunk. Mind is lost in confusion. Well, Dogen is saying over and over this basic truth right here, right now. Don't have your mind lost in confusion. How do you not have your mind lost in confusion? You hear, you feel, you breathe. You're resting on the earth, there's moisture in your mouth. You don't need to analyze it. It's not to say there isn't a place for that, but the foundation of our life is not dependent upon the correct analysis. The next line I actually think is a wonderful, wonderful line. Next little part. Suppose you are confident in your understanding and rich in enlightenment, gaining the wisdom that knows at a glance, attaining the way and clarifying the mind, arousing an aspiration to reach for the heavens. We finally got it right. We finally got ourselves in shape. We are finally perfect. We are finally, you know, ready to pass the grade. That's what he's saying. He's saying we have all these aspirations. If I just lost 20 pounds, or if I just gained 20 pounds of muscles, or if I just had 40 more IQ points, or if I just was not such a klutz, and I get myself. So I can all polished up and buffed up and everybody will like me and love me because I'll be radiant and shining and peaceful and calm and happy. You're playing. You're playing. Stop the nature of things. It doesn't even mean you succeeded. It's playing. Oh, yeah, I'd like to play Barbie doll for a while. Okay. <laughs> but successfully playing 
is not for liberation. Awareness has no boundary. Awareness is not about perfection or non-perfection. Dogen says, you know, if you get it all right, you've got all the best Dharma things, finally mastered them, you're still just playing around. You're still not free. Awareness has the ability to be aware of knowing and not knowing. It has the ability to be aware of difficulties and ease. Has to be aware. Of, has the ability to be aware of happiness and unhappiness. Has to be aware. Has the ability to be aware of, you know, things being fractionated and whole. Awareness has no boundary. And yet, consider the Buddha. Consider Bodhidharma, the founder of Zen in China. What we do makes a difference. What we do is important. And what we do shapes the way. It doesn't make a difference to awareness. It doesn't shape the fundamental truth. But it shapes the flavor of our life. It shapes what we are capable of offering. The Dharma is not about, OK, I'm going to be a happy lump. The Dharma is about, I will see what is true, what is fundamental, and then I will cultivate and develop the skills that are useful for being a benefit. We take the four bodhisattva vow. The beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Desires are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. I vow to see through them. Dharma gates are boundless. That is, I vow to cultivate upaya. I vow to cultivate skillful means. I vow to do my best to learn. I vow to do my best to be open. I vow to do my best to, to um, improve. So that I can offer. I can offer what is most true. I can help relieve people's Anguish. Not by, I'll go out and I'll confront the evildoers. Not by, I'll go out and I'll rectify all the apostates. Not by that, but by helping people to come to liberation. We'll become skillful, not for the sake of making better money, getting a seam, but we become skillful in trying to do our best to turn people's minds and hearts to what is wholesome, complete. The Dharma is not about, I'll be a happy lump. What's the use of that? The Dharma is about, I will see, I will hold my awareness really large. I will see that my awareness includes all of you and so much more. It includes all of your pain, all of your distress. And just as we respond to our own pain and distress, respond to the pain and distress of the world. It's the bodhisattva vow. We respond to the pain and distress in the world by bringing awareness, by bringing this kind of clarity to every situation we can. 
in our own completely inadequate, broken way. We don't realize our own brokenness, the own brokenness of our personality. We're not much good. We become a narcissist and become a sociopath. You know, if we just acknowledge, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm this inadequate personality. I'm, you know, I've got all my defects. I have all my failures. And in the course of boundless awareness, I have to have some personal humility. And I'll do my best. It's not about, I'll get it all together, and then I'll become a shining star, and everybody will glom onto me and become liberated. It's, I am a broken, inadequate person, <laughs> which is the way things are. Dogen Zenji said, life was one continuous mistake. So what? So what? The great field of boundless awareness doesn't care. It's still a great field of boundless awareness. It's still our basic nature. It's still my own mind. Not my intellectual, rational mind, but my awareness. And in that awareness is this particular inadequate human lump. And our task as spiritual people is not only to know what is fundamental, but then to use our particular flavor of inadequacy, our particular flavor of mixture of strength and whatever, to help turn people's minds to what is inherently good, inherently whole, inherently wholesome. Therefore, put aside the intellectual practice of trying to figure it all out. There is useful time for upaya to do that. But to know what's fundamental, Dogen says, don't need to worry about that right now. Just turn and look with awareness at awareness. Turn and look at what is inclusive and includes all of us with our stuff and includes all of everybody else with their stuff, and it's still is unfilled. It still is boundless. If you pour all of the suffering of the entire universe into it, and it's not filled up. If you want such a thing, get to work on it immediately. It's kind of silly to say, but turn your attention away from the habitual self-denigrating abject heartless assessment of ourself and the world and turn our awareness to the boundless inclusive truth of our own being. And then Dogen goes on to say all this stuff about, you know, sit full lotus, here's the way you sit full lotus, and, you know, so what? There are 
skillful things if you happen to have a body and you happen to be able to do that. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful stable posture. Great. What's that have to do with state of mind? It is true that when we are sitting in a place of dignity, when we are sitting in a posture of upright erectness, there is a confidence. There's a confidence and there's a centeredness and there's a, a sense of efficacy that happens. If we're sitting, you know, all wrapped up in ourselves. Oh, God. <laughs> that has something to do with how we hold the world. Some of you I've been teasing, poking, trying to get you to sit erect and hold yourself with some power and clarity. How we hold ourselves. It's not ultimately doesn't change anything. Ultimately, it's we're going to get old and die anyhow. <laughs> but it does make a difference when we're thinking, how do I live my life? How do I meet what's in front of me? How do I channel the power that I've been given? But then Dogen goes back and says, you know, have no designs on becoming a Buddha. Stop measuring good, bad, indifferent. Simply hold yourself in the erect posture of a Buddha. You don't need to do anything else. And I think we can just say, just hold yourself with respect. It's basically what it comes down to. With a kind of respect that somehow you've been given a life. You may not be worth it. My God, I got that. You know, you may not have deserved it. You know, it's okay. But somehow, you have been given a life, a unique life, a life that is filled with your particular strengths, your particular vulnerabilities, the way the light comes in, as Leonard Cohen says, the cracks that we have. And we hold ourselves with a kind of dignity. That's what the Zazen posture is about. Dignity of respect. Because without this life, without this body, we don't have the capacity. To give life to life. of not thinking. What kind of thinking is that? Non-thinking. How do you not think about thinking? We have this idea that non-thinking is some big blank thing. Okay, I will achieve blankness. Great. I get a certificate in blankness. Okay, you've got a big blank mind. Good. I hope that you all have a taste of quiet mind. I hope that at some time in your practice, you will see that the mind does not have to think, that there is a place of silence that is below all thought. I hope that you all taste that and touch that. But hoping that if I just make my mind 
quiet is like saying, if I just don't see anymore, if I just can not see anymore, in fact, even if I close my eyes like this, I won't even be aware of the visual field. Because, you know, the visual field is always there. My eyes are closed right now, but the visual field is complete, whole. The nature of this particular being, the five skandhas, is we think. Thoughts come. Dogen is not saying, go become a lump. Think of not thinking. If thoughts come, it is quite possible to not think about them. Thought comes up, oh, I'm a toadstool. <laughs> well, all right, it wanders through and wanders out. I mean, you know, where these things come from. <laughs> On the other hand, we can have a thought of, you know, I'm a real schlub. And we go, oh, maybe that's right. Yes, I really am. Boy, look how I feel. And then we start thinking about thinking. Things just pass through. Thoughts just pass through. Don't worry about them. It's just like with the lips. If our mind is all tight and held up on the thoughts and we're all kind of twisted on the thought, oh, the thought of I'm, I'm a complete hopeless, murky, you know, golem. And that's my thought. Oh, boy, a real thought. Oh, God, it's such an important thought. Oh, I'm going to hang on to that forever, you know. If, on the other hand, we have our awareness out here and that thought comes up, so what? And poof, it's gone. So what? Gone. It's a matter of how we hold our awareness. We are not our thoughts. You know, Buddhism 101, we are not our thoughts. Our thoughts are not who we are. We are not some little lump inside of ourselves that is thinking. Basic Buddhism. We are awareness itself, which has no, it's not inside, outside, or in between. And so when thought comes, to not think about thinking, to not follow the thoughts, to be able to hold the mind in that kind of way, then thoughts don't become a big obstacle. I still, I hope all of you have the experience of a silent mind. is possible. You just stop thinking. The way I recommend doing that is you settle into stillness. Settle into stillness. Don't hold yourself rigidly. Settle into stillness. And when the body is settled into stillness, there's a silence. There's stillness and silence are two sides of the same thing. We settle into stillness, and stillness is silent. We become aware of silence. And we can even become aware of the silence that's always present. That silence is different than the mind thinking or not thinking. That silence is simply an awareness, just like I'm talking about the expanded awareness. Awareness doesn't move. The objects in awareness are all swirling around in some way. Dreamlike, but swirling. The Zazen 
is not meditation. It's simply the Dharma gate of joyful ease, the practice realization of totally culminated enlightenment. And so basically, it's not about, I'm going to do it, 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 I don't care how bad it feels, I'm going to do it. It's about holding our awareness. Now, if we say, oh, here's this kind of teaching, I don't have to work hard anymore. Here's this kind of teaching, I don't have to do the real struggles that it takes for me to get an education, or the real struggles it takes for me to learn a skill. It's not what that's talking about. If you want to learn a skill, it takes struggle, it takes effort, it takes real, you have to apply yourself for all, any skill. But for Zazen, holding our awareness like this, holding our awareness like this is not a job. It's not a job. That's what he means, the Dharma gate of joy and ease. It's not a job. It's turning ourself, not to the content, but to awareness itself, and allowing things to flow through. A difficult thought flows through, an easy thought flows through, my knees hurt, my back hurts, my stomach feels good, the food was very nice, you know. It all flows through. We don't have to grab a hold of it. It all flows through. I'm just, I'm just going on and on here. So as we do this uh, chant, practice a little bit more here. Um, you know, all the, the parts in there triggering and awakening with a finger, a band, or a needle. <clears throat> And all that. It's just, it's just somebody is practicing this kind of awareness, and then something happens, and they say, oh, 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 look what's already been there all along. These are just examples of stories that that happened to. It doesn't happen because I'm going to make it happen, I'm going to make it happen, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it. it happens because we are holding ourselves in awareness. We're holding ourselves in awareness working with the koan, holding ourselves with awareness working with sound, holding ourselves with awareness of awareness, holding ourselves with awareness of the entire total body experience. And we're absorbed in that. And then something kind of says, oh, well, look what I'm actually seeing. That's all those stories are about. Intelligence or lack of it is not an issue. Make no distinction between dull and sharp-witted. If you hold your awareness, single-mindedly. That is itself wholeheartedly engaging the way. So you can hold it in this way. You can hold it on sound, which has no location. You can hold it on the entire body all at once, which has no particular shape. You know, there's lots of different ways of holding And you all have your own practices, and you've been working with Jogan on that. Great. In our world and others, in Buddha, in, in India and China, everybody equally holds the Buddha seal. All of us hold the Buddha seal. You've gathered the pivotal, you have gained the pivotal opportunity of human form. Don't pass your days and nights in vain. You are taking care of the essential activity of the Buddha way. Who would take wasteful delight in something that's temporary, something that is just sparkles, something that is just whizzing through? Form and substance are dew in the grass. 
fortunes of life are like lightning. Gone in an instant, vanished in a flash. You know, I was thinking about, here it is, this day of Sashen again. How many hundreds of days have I experienced? And the weeks just, oh my goodness, here it is again, here it is again. It's gone, a whole session, a week gone, gone. Oh my goodness, a month gone, another year is gone. You look back and you think, where did the last decade, where did the last 50 years go? I can't even keep track. Just gone in an instant. And what's left? This awareness of this life at this moment, whole and complete. And in this moment, we have a task to do. And that task to do is to use all of this particular unique body-mind that we have been gifted with for the benefit of the whole world in our particular unique way. The Bodhisattva spirit channels this vast awareness through this broken body into this world. May we all meet in that way.